So good to be with you guys today. And I have to say, I am very impressed how adaptable you are. At a minute's notice, right, change of venue. Very impressive. So I, I think you should give yourselves a bit of a clap, a bit of a cheer for that. That's highly, highly impressive. Well, it's really good to be in Glasgow. Um, as Ian said, we're down the borders and uh, we've lived there for 23 years and uh, we love it. Uh, but it is nice to come to the big city, I have to say. It always reminds me when I was a, a kid, I had an aunt who lived on Argyle Street and we used to occasionally come and visit her and stay for a few days and I loved it. It was great fun. So it's good to be back in Glasgow and it's good to be back with you guys. I've been once before and it's so good to see you growing in all sorts of different ways and I hear from Ian, as Ian mentioned, we meet up and it's just so encouraging what Jesus is doing among you, isn't it? You're not convincing me. It's good what Jesus is doing among you, isn't it? You know, it's amazing, isn't it? Jesus said, I will build my church. And he does. And he builds through people like you and me, which is phenomenal. It's amazing. So it's good to be with you. Um, Ian was down with our staff team a couple of weeks ago just doing some training with them and it was so good, it was such a good day and um, it's funny isn't it, I, I talk to my staff team and they're like yeah yeah whatever, Ian comes and they're like oh this is amazing, we love what Ian says and they want Ian back and so Ian thank you for that, so good, you need to come back, so thank you. Well, guys, I have a letter here that is dated August 1992. A long time ago for some of you. And it's from Suzanne, who is now my wife. And before we were married, we sent each other letters through the post. That's how we communicated. Those were the days before WhatsApp, before Messenger. Some of you are like, well, there were days before WhatsApp. Yes, there were. And that's how we communicated. And I would look forward to getting one of those letters in the post. And I would read it. And I would reread it. And I would read it again. Why? Because I didn't remember what was in it. No. Because it was a love letter. From the heart. So I'm just going to hide that away in case James tries to read it in the car on the way home. <laughs> but the point is that Jesus has sent us love letters. To his church. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Revelation 2. Um, and there is a love letter from Jesus to his church. In Revelations chapter 2 and 3, there are in fact seven letters to seven different churches. And we're going to look at one of them. So if you're in your Bibles or your phones, we're in Revelation 2 and we're looking at verse 12 and it says to the angel of the church in Pergamum right Pergamum well that's a bit of a weird name isn't it I mean it sounds like something you'd go to the doctor with I think I've got a case of Pergamum but Pergamum was a real place and these churches are grouped in what the Bible calls Asia Minor and that is in fact modern day Turkey. So these are real churches in real time. 
And here's the context. Because the New Testament church explodes into life. And we can see that in the book of Acts. And that early church were part of the Jewish community. And the Jews had special dispensation. They did not have to commit to following the Roman practices and the Roman way of worship. But here we are 50 years later and all of that has changed. These churches are no longer welcomed into the mainstream Jewish community and the Romans give them no dispensation. And so here are these churches grappling with what it is to live out their faith in a dominant Roman state that is intolerant to the gospel. And so the question that these churches are asking is when there's pressure to conform, when there's opposition to your faith, how do we make a stand? How do we follow Jesus? How do we do mission? Does the church even have a future? And I think that's a very good question for the church to be asking today. And so I think there's something in this for us. And of course, the answer to that question is yes. And here is Jesus writing a love letter to his church to encourage them, but also to challenge them. So let's read on. These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Here is the truth, the truth of Jesus. Here is the living word, but it's also the word that we can't ignore. Jesus says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who you put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Now, I grew up in Belfast. If someone said to you, I know where you live, that was not a good thing. That was intimidating, and it was meant to be. But here's Jesus saying to his church, I know where you live, and actually I know it's tough. In fact, it's where Satan has his throat. Now that isn't exactly something that you're going to want to put on your website for the tourist board, is it? Come to our city. It's where Satan has his throne. Satan's city. Well, what, what does he actually mean by that? Well, in 29 BC, Pergamum was the first ever city to host a temple in honor of a living emperor. And that emperor was Augustus. In other words, what they've done, they've deified, they've made this Roman emperor a god. Pergamum was the leading city when it comes to pagan temples and pagan worship. There was a hill overlooking the city of Pergamum. And on top of that hill was a huge altar to the Roman god Zeus, the god of thunder. The God of lightning. In other words, the God who gave them their power. And this was a huge altar. It was 30 meters square, 12 meters high. So wherever you were in the city, here is this altar dominating the skyline. The kingdom of darkness was evident. And Pergamum is leading the way. 
Hence, Jesus says, it's where Satan has his throne. And it's into that backdrop of spiritual darkness that this church has faced opposition. And Jesus speaks encouragement. The church has been persecuted for their faith, for what they believe. And they've resisted. And they've paid the ultimate price. And Antipas, who refused to announce his faith, history would tell us, was martyred. He was killed because he did some spiritual warfare, cast out some demons in the region, and it didn't go down well. And so they boiled him alive in a bull-shaped cauldron. How about that? So that is the kind of suffering, that is the kind of opposition that this church has faced. But they're no longer facing that kind of same threat. But actually, this is where it gets interesting. When they faced persecution, they stood firm. But now, they're compromising. This is what Jesus says. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Ouch. That's not good to hear, is it? There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. And the story of Balaam is found in the Old Testament in Numbers 22 to 25. And Balak was the king of Moab who was oppressing and was against God's people, Israel. And so he asks Balaam, who was their prophet from God, to prophesy against God's people, but he can't. He can only prophesy a blessing. But Balak won't take no for an answer. And eventually Balaam gives in to the pressure to conform. And so here is what God's prophet comes up with. This is what he suggests, that the Moabite woman seduce the men of Israel. And it works. And they're led into sexual immorality. And they're led into idol worship. You see, Balaam gives in to the pressure to conform, to the pressure to fit in. And the result, God's people dilute their faith. They compromise their worship. And Jesus is saying to the church in Pergamum, actually you guys are in danger of doing the same. On the 10th of August, 1985, K-431, a Soviet nuclear-powered submarine, had a refueling accident, which resulted in an explosion. And it proved fatal for its 49 crew members. But what no one knew that in the nearby town of Vladivostok, which was only a mile away, there were radioactive particles moving through the air. There was an invisible, deadly contaminant spreading through the airwaves. And it resulted in many people in that town becoming seriously ill, and some lost their lives very quickly. And it's a bit like what's happening here in Pergamon. Only it's a spiritual contaminant that's spreading. 
You see, Satan's direct attack, persecution, it failed. The church stood firm. But the pressure to conform, far more subtle. And giving into that is like an invisible, deadly contaminant spreading through the church. Jesus goes on. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. What's he talking about there? The Nicolaitans were a group of people. Nico in Greek means to conquer. Laos means laity. There were groups in these churches that were trying to establish a kind of holy order. They were creating a hierarchy of leadership positions for themselves and they were using it to influence and to water down the gospel. And here was their reasoning. The pagan gods all around them, well, they're not real gods. So it was okay to participate in the worship practices around them. You don't have to mean it. And to get this, we need to get and understand the Roman system here. You see, when Rome conquered a nation, it had a very clever strategy. It didn't remove the existing political and social structures, it infiltrated it. Roman governance affected every single sector of society. It influenced the local elites, it influenced the local government. There were benefits for being loyal to the cause, loyal to the emperor, There was a network of relationships, business, social, political. There was pressure to conform. There was pressure to fit in. And if you wanted to get on in life, if you wanted to be successful, if you wanted to have social standing, if you wanted to sell your products, then you need to be seen at the local temple. You need to burn a little incense on the altar. And it's this false teaching. You can join in. You don't have to mean it. That is the teaching that's spreading through the church. And aligning to this subtle pressure to conform is causing the church to compromise in its faith, compromise in its worship, and become liberal when it becomes to sin. There's a silent, deadly contaminant spreading through the church. You see, this was not just a trip to the local temple, offer on the sacrifice on the altar to Augustus and a few other Roman gods. Box ticked, I'm a respectable member of society, I can fit right in and I can be a Christian. It was compromise. It was participating in pagan temple worship and history is being repeated since Jesus were back to Balaam in the Old Testament. It was a blending of worship God and pagan worship and its rituals. And it means that for some, they're having sex with the temple prostitutes. And for some, They're eating the food that everyone else in the city is eating. The problem is it's food that's been sacrificed to pagan idols. It's worship Jesus plus join in with pagan temple rituals. 
Jesus plus a desire to fit into society. And you see, Jesus plus anything else equals compromise. Verse 16. Jesus says, repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Stop, says Jesus. But what we see here is the grace of Jesus. He doesn't say, you failed, you're out. Jesus says, no. It's not Jesus plus. You're compromising. That's not true worship. And Jesus' word, the sword of his mouth, cuts right through and exposes the false teaching, is illuminated for what it really is, false. And it leads to compromise. And notice that not everyone is part of this, but Jesus holds it against the church. Why? Because we're family. As Ian was reminding us moments ago, and what one of us does affects all of us. And when we compromise, there's an invisible, deadly contaminant spreading through the church. This church in Pergamum was a real church in real time. But this is also God's eternal word. And so it's a message for us. And there's a challenge here for us. Because what if what the church in Pergamum was facing is exactly what you and I are facing today? You see, the church in Pergamum bought into the lie. You can blend in with the culture of the day and you can worship Jesus. They were compromising. You see, there's a pressure for us. The temptation is for us to live lives that are Jesus plus a desire to fit into society. And you might be thinking, well, Mike, I walk around Glasgow, there are not that many pagan altars that I see. Maybe not. But what are the idols in 2021 that you and I can be seduced by? And I suggest that many of them are digital. We may not burn some incense at the temple, but do we bow down when we're giving our heart and our thoughts and our time to the things that do not draw us to Jesus? Jesus plus the things in my life that are important to me. You see, there's a subtle enemy at work tugging at us, tempting us to compromise our faith. It's so easy to accept what culture says, what culture's values are, to do what everyone else is doing. And what we do is blend that alongside Jesus. And it becomes Jesus plus you see, you and I live in a culture that says it's okay to have a little softening of our ideals and our standards. It, it is 2021 after all. Let's be relevant. But what happened to holding on to the timeless truth of God's word? Our culture says you don't want to stand out too much. I mean, you don't want to be seen as weird if you're a Christian. 
what if there's a cost to pay and people actually think we're weird? Our culture is a relativistic age. Blend your own spirituality. Make your own faith. So we love the teaching of Jesus when it talks about love, but obedience? Mm, not so much. Our culture says, be yourself. Be who you really are. Jesus says, deny yourself so that you can become more like me. Our culture says, live your truth. Do whatever you want, whenever you want. But what happened to living a life of holiness? Be holy, for I am holy, says God. And so the question that you and I must wrestle with here, because I'm preaching to myself as well, okay? Is Jesus first place in our life? Or is it Jesus plus a desire to fit in to society? You see, what, what is this really about? Worship. And true worship, said Jesus, is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, Jesus is saying, let me be the center of your affection. That is where you find true life. Worship is worth-ship. We worship what we value. And here, please hear my heart here, okay? I am not proposing that we all sell our TVs, go off-grid, and start drinking metal tea. Sorry, I knew you already drink metal tea, don't you? I'm sorry. But what if we did a little exercise? What if we track our time? How do we spend it? Where does it flow? How much screen time do we actually have? How much time do we spend on Netflix? And what are we watching on Netflix? Track our money. How do we spend it? If you're part of this church, are you sacrificially giving into the life of the church? And it's not about the amount, it's a principle. Track our emotions, track our thoughts. What do we think about? What excites us? You see, where that leads us will tell us who or what is the object of our desire and therefore who or what are we worshiping? Is it Jesus or is it Jesus plus? And I wonder, if Jesus was writing a letter to Glasgow Grace today, what would it say? Dear Glasgow Grace, love you guys. Love the way you can adapt and jump venues at a moment's notice. I love your heart for the gospel. I love the way you love me. I love your passion for me. But keep going. Don't compromise. Live for me. This passage ends in verse 17. Jesus says, whoever is here, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Let's get a little honest here, okay? You might be here thinking, great, yeah, I get it. Make a stand for Jesus, 
Sounds great. But actually, Mike, I struggle to get through the week. I mean, getting through the week is a win for me. I mean, I've got struggles. I've got weaknesses. I mean, can I really overcome? Can I really live a life of no compromise in this culture here in Glasgow? Well, here is huge encouragement. Because what Jesus is saying is you can be victorious in me. The hidden manna, reference of God's miraculous provision of heavenly bread for Old Testament Israel when they were in the wilderness. And Jesus is saying, feast on me. Let me be the heavenly bread. Let me be the bread of life. Let me be your all because I am more than enough. And taking symbolism used in the imperial Roman society, Jesus encourages his church. You see, the Roman judicial system used stones when they gave their verdict. If you're a white stone, you're innocent. A black stone, you're guilty. It is highly likely here in this church of Pergamum, there are those among them who have already received black stones for refusing to fit in to society, for refusing to compromise. And Jesus is saying, but I give you a white stone. I've set you free. And it's not just a white stone, it's personalized. It has a new name, known only by you. You see, we all know our weaknesses. We all know that we fail and where we fail. And Jesus is saying, but you can live in this culture. You can live uncompromisingly for me. You see, whatever our weakness, whatever our struggle, Jesus overcame so that you and I can overcome. And Jesus is saying, your weakness, your struggle, that does not define you. I give you a new name. What might your new name be because this is personal only you know it and maybe you've always had this sense when you're around other Christians well I, I'm, I'm not good enough I'm not spiritual enough and Jesus says your new name is welcomed or maybe you've struggled with condemning thoughts and Jesus says your new name free from condemnation. Maybe you've struggled with anxious thoughts and Jesus says your new name, peace. Maybe it's lust and Jesus says your new name, purity. Maybe you felt like, I just don't fit in around here and Jesus says your new name, chosen. What might your new name be? And if it's any help to you guys, I've put some sheets at the table at the back that just give us some of the new names that we see through the New Testament that Jesus actually declares over us. And I guess we could give those digitally as well. Yeah. When the pressure's on, when there's pressure to conform, when there's opposition to our faith, can we really stand? Can we follow Jesus? 
And Revelation's answer is a bigger vision of Jesus. Saying you don't have to compromise. Jesus overcame so that you and I can overcome. It doesn't have to be Jesus plus. Because Jesus is more than enough. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word. That you are more than enough. And Lord, I thank you for what you speak over our lives. That you have overcome so that we can overcome. And the reminder here, Lord, that you've given us everything we need. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us here at Glasgow Grace that we would be a people who would not compromise, who would not be Jesus plus, but we would see you, Jesus, as all that we need. Because you are more than enough. So, Lord, I pray that you would come by your Spirit and work in our hearts. And for those that are wrestling with a struggle or a weakness, you would come and meet us in that place. And you would come and whisper in your new name. Because Lord, we just come afresh to you today and we say, Lord, we know that in our strength we cannot do this. We cannot live for you. But you are more than enough. And you have called us here for such a time as this to live for you. So Lord, as we worship, as we respond, would you come by your spirit and move among us. That we would be equipped to be the people that you're calling us to be. Lord, help us to be a people that live only for you, Jesus. Yes. Not Jesus plus, but Jesus yes. is more than enough. Yes. In your mighty name. Yes.